Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Um, the uh, breaking news earlier today was that uh, just before we got on the air, it was that Congressman Patrick McHenry uh, is expected to announce that he is not going to run for re-election. And, uh, yep, here we go. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Pat Harrigan uh, announces that he has hired Patrick McHenry's former campaign manager. And Harrigan announces he's moving to the 10th District. So that broke about 18 minutes ago, Danielle Battaglia, but I told you, at uh, at noon. So there you go. Um, that takes him out of the race against Tim Moore. Tim Moore still has a, a primary, I guess, with uh, Eric Levinson, the former judge. Um. So not sure who else is going to jump into it, but we now have two, basically two open congressional districts, uh, the 10th and the 14th. Uh, and that's basically uh, it's like everything Gaston County, Cleveland County, Lincoln County, and like stretching all the way up and around all the way over the 10th goes all the way to Forsyth County. So um, newly redrawn districts, which, um, oh, by the way, yeah, I guess I can do this first. Let's uh, hang on a second. We'll go ahead and start there. We'll just work it in reverse order. Um, the congressional districts that uh, were drawn up this year, a couple weeks ago, like 50 days ago, two months ago, I guess, um, at the North Carolina legislature, you'll recall, they needed to draw new districts because the last maps were only good for the 2022 election. Those maps were, were redraws after the 2020 maps, because every time Republicans draw new maps in North Carolina, leftist organizations sue. And then it, it, it forces the redrawing of maps because they're like, oh, well, you violated this rule. You violated that rule. Or in the case of the, the last round, it was uh, they need to be fair. What's fair? Not really sure. So we'll appoint some people to redraw some maps, and they drew Democrats seven seats. So it was a 7-7 split. But they were only good for one election cycle. So they needed new maps. So they drew new maps. These maps, this might you might want to sit down for this. Might want to sit down. Democrats are not happy with these maps either. I know. It's completely shocking. And now they have filed lawsuits. This is our old pal, Mark Elias. Mark Elias, super attorney, quote unquote, for the Democrat Party, longtime Clintonista. He was the the go between the cutout, if you will, with the Steele dossier. Right. He was all in the mix on that. Just a real winner. Anyway, he has been suing North Carolina for a very long time because that's where the grift is. I mean, that's where the lawsuits are. 18, this is the premise here, this is from the Carolina Journal, premise of the lawsuit, 18 black and Latino plaintiffs working with Democrat lawyer Mark Elias's law firm have filed a federal lawsuit to block North Carolina's new congressional map. They took their case to court 
on the same afternoon that candidate filing began for the 2024 election. That was yesterday. Candidate filing opened yesterday. The suit, titled Williams versus Hall, specifically targets the new 1st District, 6th, 12th, and 14th Congressional Districts. They call them, they allege, they are unconstitutional racial gerrymanders. Plaintiffs ask a federal judge to declare that the congressional map discriminates against minority uh, voters in violation of the 14th and 15th Amendments. They seek an injunction blocking enforcement of the map because chaos is the goal here. They ask the court to hold hearings, consider briefing and evidence, and otherwise take actions that would lead to a valid congressional plan. And remember, fair maps for Democrats are maps that Democrats draw and win the majority of seats in. That's what a fair map means to Democrats. And by the way, if you have any doubt about this, look at the Charlotte City Council or look at any state that is run by Democrats that draws maps. They favor Democrats. Those are fair maps to them. They would, what their vision for fair maps would be would be to have Charlotte, Raleigh, Greensboro, Durham, right, Asheville, these blue dots in the sea of red, they want these metro areas to be carved up in order to swing congressional district election outcomes. If you zoom out of Charlotte and you look at Charlotte on the map, it looks like a hub and spokes. It's got concentric rings around it, right? 485 finally being complete, right? But you're looking at the road system and such, and neighborhood development to where the homes are and that sort of thing. You've got the hub inside Center City, and then you have the spokes that come out of it. And that's actually what our uh, transit plan is built around, too, which poses a lot of problems for cross-town transport. You know, getting from one spoke to another spoke, especially when you're way far out towards the rubber of the wheel, if you will, Way out towards 45 becomes way more difficult. Tighter in, all the spokes get real close. Farther out, not so much. So you got this hub and spoke system, transportation system, but that's because that's the way the city kind of was built up. You had these different little villages and suburbs and stuff, and they all got connected. And you, the original belt, Highway 4, City Highway, you know what that is? That's Woodlawn. Billy Graham. That goes all the way around. You know, you can get on Highway 4. It's that little it's a green sign. It's got five sides on it. It's like a square bottom with a little pointy top, and it says 4. You can get on 4, you know, Woodlawn, Wendover, Sharon, Runnymede, like all the way around. You go all the way around the city. That was like the first kind of belt. Anyway, um, you've got all of the population living inside Charlotte proper. A lot of people, right? A congressional district is supposed to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about, what, 800,000 people. And and that's across the country. You take the total population, you divide by 435 representatives. That's basically how you get the population number. So it's about 800, 850,000, I think. So you could get, so what they want to do, though, is inside Charlotte, you have so many Democrat voters. They want to be able to, uh, to draw a district takes a chunk of those voters and puts them in with more rural areas farther out from the hub, more towards the end of the spokes. 
So think of like it's it would look like a pie, right? Like a round pumpkin pie. You just cut the slices, and at the 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 pointy tip of the uh, of the slice, you got a lot of Democrats packed in there, and then at the crust side, you got the Republican voters out into the rural areas or suburban areas. The key here is, though, they would very much like to be able to draw these districts in ways like that. Very, I'm doing a very rudimentary kind of figure here, but you could cut the slices like this, roughly. And by doing so, then, you could pack your voters into districts so you get more seats. That's how Democrats would do it. Indeed, that's how they did do it. And Republicans do it differently. They don't want as many uh, Democrat voters in as many districts because they they want the ability to hold those seats themselves. So now the plaintiffs say these are unconstitutional racial gerrymanders, which, by the way, uh, I am of the Sam Alito view on this, which is that you cannot supplant race for party affiliation, because when Republicans in North Carolina drew the maps year about what the last time, 10 years ago, and then those got sued over. And the, the Democrats on the Supreme Court, when those leftist lawyers wearing robes, when they said, oh, there's a racial gerrymander, Alito said, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're looking at party affiliation. Just because 90% of African-Americans registered as Democrats, that doesn't mean that that's a racial gerrymander. They were using partisan identification because that's what the court told them to do, by the way. Right. So. That's the problem. And, and by the way, that the court told them to do that and then changed the rules on the Republicans after they drew the maps by the criteria that the courts told them to. The courts keep changing the rules. They're playing Calvin ball with this stuff. This is the problem. Every, and why the lawyers, keep, the, the Democrat lawyers keep suing is to keep creating chaos so they can create a structure whereby they can draw whatever lines they want to draw and get whatever maps thrown out they want to get thrown out based on all the different precedent that has been established. It's a real problem. So I'm just seeing this now. This is, uh, so I mentioned, oh, sorry, so when we first started the program right out of the gate at 12 o'clock, we, we told you that uh, uh, Patrick McHenry uh, not going to be running for re-election in the North Carolina Congressional 10th District. As a result of that, Pat Harrigan would be moving over to run in the 10th, and that uh, eliminates the race well, that eliminates the race because there still is a primary race in the 14th. Harrigan had initially said he was going to run in the 14th, and he was planning to do so against Tim Moore, Speaker of the House, also against Eric Levinson, former Mecklenburg judge. Um, with the announcement from uh, McHenry, now Harrigan is going to run in the 10th, so he takes himself out of that primary mix, and that means Tim Moore and Eric Levinson uh, are the uh, the remaining candidates so far? But candidate filing just opened yesterday, so you're probably going to get it's an o- these are open seats. You're probably going to get a lot of people in there running, but they are both open seats. But there will not be a Harrigan Moore uh, face off sort of in that mix. Here is a statement that uh, Harrigan put out a video statement that he just put out uh, at about eh, about half an hour ago. With Congressman McHenry's retirement, I'm running for Congress in North Carolina's 10th district. God has placed a calling on our lives to enter the political arena, to work to improve the character and quality of our government, and to craft better outcomes for the next generations of Americans. That calling has come at a cost, and our daughters, Reagan and McKinley, have borne the brunt of that cost. From last year's shooting in Hickory, to the sacrifices our entire family has made to keep them in school in Hickory throughout our journey, 
our kids and your kids are at the center of our mission's purpose. Pat's always been a protector, first as a Green Beret, now as a business owner, and always a family man. This decision is more than politics. It's about where our calling from God first started, the home where we started our family, where our kids go to school, and where we practice our faith. We want you to know this decision has not been taken lightly. In Congress, my focus will be on cutting endless government spending, securing our southern border, restoring governmental integrity, and ensuring our children receive a quality education that's free from indoctrination. We're at a crossroads, and it's time for battle-tested leadership that's unwavering in conservative principle. Join me in fighting for a future that's true to our values and the America we cherish. This isn't just my fight, it's our fight. For our families, for our community, and for the America we all believe in. All right, so that's uh, Harrigan's uh, statement that he put out, and um, so he obviously kept his kids in, because uh, remember, he was from that area to begin with. He moved down to the Gaston area in order to run for the congressional seat, what, two years ago. First, he moved over into, I think it was in South Park. Then he bought a house in Gaston County. And so now I guess, my gosh, he's, he could work in radio. The amount of times he's moving around. Are you sure you're not in radio? Um, but uh, so he said they kept their kids in school up in the Hickory area. Remember, he mentioned the shooting that was at his parents' house. And so I guess they are still up there and the kids are staying with them. And that's whose house got shot into at the time, remember? So um, I don't know what McK- I've got a message out to McHenry's folks to see if they, uh, we can get them on to, uh, to chat. But um, not sure, you know, what prompted it. What I've been told is that um, that there isn't a decision on what uh, Pat McHenry is looking, Patrick McHenry is looking to do next. There isn't a, there isn't any kind of like announcement, I guess, to say what he's going to do next. But it's probably not going to be politics. Don't, and I don't know what else that means. I just, I can just give you the information that was relayed to me that has all obviously. Uh, borne out to be true um, when we first reported at the beginning of the uh, the show last hour. Now, all of this is because of the the newly drawn lines that allow all of these different candidates to now start getting in. Tim Moore being one of them. You recall two years ago, Tim Moore was going to. Everybody said, "Oh, Tim Moore was going to run for that 14th congressional district as it was drawn." And then Madison Cawthorn said he was going to move into the district. And then the court threw out the maps. And then Cawthorn went back to his. Original district, and then people voted him out in the primary. Yeah. So we have another lawsuit, though, over the congressional districts. Congressman Patrick McHenry has actually now just released a statement. Quote, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's pretty lengthy. I'll give you the, uh, the very beginning and then the very end. I'll be retiring from Congress at the end of my current term. This is not a decision I come to lightly, but I believe there is a season for everything. And for me... This season has come to an end. Past, present, and future, the House of Representatives is the center of our American Republic. Through good and bad, during the highest of days and the lowest, and from proud to infamous times, the House is the venue for our nation's disagreements, bound up in our hopes for a better tomorrow. It is a truly special place, and as an American, my service here is undoubtedly my proudest. Since being sworn in January 3rd, 2005, I have worked every day to uphold the Constitution and the system of government our founders so wisely created. He thanks his uh, uh, his bosses back home in Western North Carolina for voting for him. 
uh, thanks his staff, his family. Um, and then he concludes by saying, um, there has been a great deal of hand-wringing and ink spilled about the future of this institution because some, like me, have decided to leave. Those concerns are exaggerated. I've seen a lot of change over 20 years. I truly feel this institution is on the verge of the next great turn. Whether it's 1974, 1994, or 2010, we have seen the house evolve over time. Evolutions are often lumpy and disjointed, but at each stage, new leaders emerge. There are many smart and capable members who remain, and others are on their way. I'm confident that the house is in good hands. I look forward to what the next season brings for my family and for me. Uh, by the way, um, for all of the, uh, the the Steve Bannon heads, Bannon heads, is that what you call Bannonites, Bannon Owens, whatever, that are apparently claiming that this is some sort of a, a scalp, please. That seat was Patrick McHenry's forever until he didn't want it. The idea that some, he didn't even have a challenger for crying out loud. The idea that somehow or another this decision was prompted by Steve Bannon, of all people. I'm just seeing people like, war room scalp, war room scalp. Please. Grifters. Just friggin' grifters. All right, so um, let's get back to the uh, the lawsuits, or the lawsuit that has now uh, been filed against the congressional districts. Patrick McHenry won't have to worry about it anymore. Um This is over the new districts that are drawn specifically the 1st, 6th, 12th, and 14th. Uh, The 14th, obviously, is the one that um, uh, Tim Moore is running in, that Patrick Harrigan was going to run in, but is now going to move up to the 10th and run in that one because McHenry is out. The 14th is, what does it cover, Uh, Gaston, Lincoln, Cleveland, I think, or no, is Lincoln part of the 10th now? I forget. I think it's, yeah, Cleveland, Gaston, and then, like, part of, like, the southwestern uh, sort of ridge line there of um, uh, right across, just that little sliver uh, on this side of the Catawba River of Mecklenburg County. So that's one of the districts being uh, being sued over. The plaintiffs in this case, led by Mark Elias, the Democrat lawyer, uh, they bring this action to challenge the plan, according to the lawsuit, which was enacted, As Senate Bill 757, it represents the third time in as many years the North Carolina General Assembly has drawn congressional districts that disadvantage minority voters. So they're claiming racial animus, even though there's no evidence of that. North Carolina gained a congressional district after the 2020 census, almost entirely due to an increase in the state's minority population. But instead of granting minority voters the benefit of the state's increased representation, the General Assembly majority capitalized on that gain to increase their own power and decrease minority voting power. By strategically packing and cracking North Carolina's minority voters, the 2023 congressional plan entrenches the state's white majority and erases the gains made by voters of colors in the 2020 and 2022 election cycles. By the way, just I want to point out here for my friends on the left that um, you guys don't care about um, lots and lots of uh, minority representatives if it comes at the expense of Democrat representatives. What do I mean by that? Ten years ago, when the Republicans first drew the, congr- the, uh, the state maps, uh, maps, the legislative maps, it resulted in more 
minorities in the state legislature than at any other point since Reconstruction, since after the Civil War, when basically Democrats were were not allowed to hold office because they had tried to secede, right? Republicans, they took over the legislature. They had uh, African Americans who were part of that uh, part of that effort. They were Republicans or fusion uh, party members or whatever. So you had um, you had more minorities elected right after the Civil War, but then the Democrats came roaring back. Right, the Wilmington coup murdered a bunch of people, Republicans and African Americans in Wilmington, overthrew the local government. You had this statewide campaign with the red shirts or red guard, I think. Um, the uh, yeah, you know, intimidation, the rise of the Klan. You had all of the Jim Crow era laws, all of that stuff. Democrats did to solidify their power for over a century, almost a century and a half. Twenty ten rolls around, Republicans finally take back control of the General Assembly. They get to redistrict, and they draw maps, legislative maps that lead to more minorities being elected than at any point since Reconstruction. And Democrats sued over those maps because they couldn't, because white Democrats couldn't win. White Democrats couldn't beat black Democrats in the districts. And if you doubt me on this, take a look at the way the districts are drawn right now in the Charlotte City council races. Last night, at a swearing-in ceremony, I looked at the dais, and there was one, one white Republican dude up there. Well, Tark Bakari, but I mean, I, I don't know. But two out of 11 representatives of Charlotte, there were only two, like two white people. So according to this lawsuit, if this is the standard, Am I supposed to use racial proportions? Am I supposed to do that in order to gauge representation? Because it's one thing to make the argument that, oh, well, it's Republicans. They're a minority inside the city limits, which, by the way, yes, that's true. But if you were to actually do it at a proportional level, then Republicans should be guaranteed three seats minimum, maybe even four. But they have two. They get two district seats. That's it. And they tried, the Democrats tried to draw Bakari out of one of his, out of his seat. Right? They tried to, they shifted the lines and it made it a very close election, but Bakari still won. And at some point they will succeed in taking that seat too. <clears throat> and Democrats will control 10 of the 11 seats, or as Democrats call it, fair maps. But when you look at this, this standard here, this racial proportional standard, if that's, if that's the standard that we're supposed to be employing, then what of the other direction? Does that work in the, in the reverse? Are we supposed to racially balance all of the elected bodies based on the, you know, the demographics of the jurisdiction? The suit names Representative Destin Hall... As the lead defendant, that's just because he chairs the uh, House's redistricting committee. The map used in 2022 was drawn by experts working with court-appointed special masters. Of course, that was all tainted because they were swapping uh, emails and such with some of the uh, the plaintiffs. Uh, analysts have estimated that the new map is likely to give Republicans a 10-to-4 advantage. We have 14 congressional seats. 
The maps, as they're drawn now, are expected to yield 10 Republican, four Democrat seats. And Democrats say that's not fair. So they're suing. And they waited 40 days to do so. 40 days to sue. Doing it on the first day of election filing. Andy Jackson at the uh, John Locke Foundation, he calls it a partisan lawsuit masquerading as a gerrymandering lawsuit. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out Alrighty, so this lawsuit against the uh, latest redistricting maps in north carolina filed by democrats um the lawsuits from democrats the plaintiffs are targeting the 12th and 14th congressional districts in tandem together <clears throat> quote these two districts were redrawn in the 2023 plan to move reasonably compact minority communities in mecklenburg county out of 14 and into 12 The result of this shift is to eliminate a minority opportunity district in District 14. But that's kind of weird because the 14th just moved the part of Mecklenburg County, which is like that last little sliver right along right along the edge of Mecklenburg County onto the other side of the river. To connect it into Gaston County. So the Catawba River is no longer is not the dividing line. But that sliver has a lot of white people there too um let me get to this this is andy jackson at the uh john locke foundation he says uh he's skimming through the lawsuit he says one quick note here a district that elects democrats does not equal a minority opportunity district if that were the case then the very very white 49th senate district in Asheville is a minority opportunity Right, which if, yeah, it's not. This is one of the things that always killed me about Asheville. The, the lefties up there were always talking about diversity and inclusion, and it's like they're all white. <laughs> Asheville's like, there's like 12, 11% black. It's, very, it's a very small minority population. So they, they use this minority representation argument, but what they're actually angling for is white Democrats to win. He goes on to say the lawsuit comes too late to stop candidate filing. It's unlikely to stop the March primary either. It also fails the first what's called the Gingles test um, named after a, a, a presidential ruling for claims of racial gerrymandering, uh, gerrymandering in all four of the districts that are listed in the complaint. The lawsuit simultaneously complains about Congressional District 1, which is down east, um, going from a combined black and Latino population. So here's, this is what they say is cracking. When you crack a population or, or an area, you split it, right? You crack it. Here, here's the evidence that they cite as, as proof that the Republicans cracked minority voters in district one. 
black and Latino populations went from 44.8% all the way down to 44.6%. down to 44.6. And they're saying that's proof of cracking. That's ridiculous. The 12th, going from a combined black and uh, Latino population of 44.2, goes up to 48.6. Oh, see, well, when you increase minorities in a district, then that's packing, see? So you can't ever win. The only way you win here is if the Republicans just turn over the redistricting process to Democrats. That's what they want. They're never going to be happy until they get to draw the maps. But the only way they get to draw the maps has been to win the legislature. But they can't do that. So they go to the courts and they try to get leftist lawyers wearing robes to do an end run around the legislative uh, process. Jackson goes on to say this is a partisan claim poorly disguised as a racial claim. He said one nice thing here, though, is that if you are the litigants, it allows you to raise money off of this case without actually trying to stop candidate filing. That's right. Lawfare. It's a money play. But we're going to have to go through the motions. We're going to have to go and see how it plays out in court, I guess. Up next, we're going to take a look at the Charlotte City Council. Big vote for the mayor pro tem. That has really no meaning. But, oh, man, it was a big vote. 